0: No, I'm glad that you're here this morning. We are uh, in the middle of this series called Together. It's probably one of my top three, what I feel like the most important subjects are in Scripture. And it's about relationships because the people around us, they influence the direction, they influence the thinking, they influence lots of things in our lives. So it's important who we have around us. Last week we talked about true friendships. This week we're going to. We're going to talk about truer friendships, okay? We'll get into that in just a second. But if you have your orange bulletin, if you got one of those when you come in, there are some notes in there. If you feel like taking notes, this would be a great one to take notes on. You can use this. You can just preach this message like it's your own for the rest of your life. Before we do that, though, let me remind you about one thing that I'm really excited about. We've had some great response to the message two weeks ago, our Vision Sunday, when we talked about heart for the house and three projects that we're going to complete this year can i get an amen on that because we understand around here as we do things like that as we build our kids playground it, those projects affect people there are families that are here today because they drove by to check out a new church and because we had a playground for the kids they said that's good for us and started coming to south point so it's lots of different things like it's probably actually the great messages that they stayed for but it was the playground that got them in you know just trying to be honest you know in my humble opinion but I'm glad that you're here today, and I, and I hope that because you're here, you'll see the need for uh, completing these projects for Heart for the House. You'll pray and ask God, say, God, how can I be a part of what's going on at South Point? There were lives changed. Uh, we, we talked about two weeks ago how we want—it's it's exciting to talk about projects and stuff, but how we want the results, those people's lives. When we talk about 40 people giving their lives to Christ last year— We hope that next January we're talking about 50, 60, or 70 people that have given their lives to Christ and been baptized and got through growth track and become a part of the serving team and just become a part of the church family because of what God's got in store for them. Amen. So be in prayer about that because I'm super excited about what God's already doing the last couple of weeks. And uh, I'm just looking forward to the things that he's going to do this year, not just in projects. Believe me, I'm not looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to what he's doing in people's lives. So it's, exci- it's exciting to see you here on a day where it's 21 degrees outside. You people are amazing. You know that? The, the eastern part of the state got ice, so at least we don't have ice, Right? So today, we're going to be in one of the most misunderstood books of the Bible. How many of you like to tackle things that are controversial? Do you like that? How many of you like it when I tackle them and you can just go home and talk about it? Is that better? So today, we're going to read through a couple of chapters, pieces of a couple of chapters of the Song of Solomon, or in some of your Bibles, it's called the Song of Songs, and it is... uh, it's a misunderstood book. I'm just going to leave it at that. It's pretty detailed about a love relationship between two people that meet, that fall in love, that are separated for a time, that are engaged, that come back together, that end up getting married, and believe it or not, there's some pretty um, graphic stuff in the Song of Solomon. In fact, chapter 6, 7, somewhere around in there, records their honeymoon night in great detail, which we're not going to read this morning. Aren't you glad about that? But I believe that what the Song of Solomon can show us is how that you and I can learn to emulate and, and to learn to give a godly form of love in all of our relationships, can be wise in how we love people, and especially in the single stage of life. because all of us at one time or another, are going to be or were. Sp- past, present, or future, in the single season of life. So however you phrase that, today is going to be primarily for them, but I don't want everybody else that's not single to tune this out, okay? Because... You never know when somebody close to you or yourself will need this message. Say, plus, it's not just for the single people, it's actually showing all of us how to love in a godly manner. But listen, we have one ground rule today because as soon as I mention single, whatever reason somebody is single, sometimes they are overwhelmed by those thoughts about being single. And listen, this is the ground rule that I say every time we talk about singleness. Are y'all ready for it? God is the God of new beginnings. Amen? So whatever the situation is, we're talking about from this day forward. Don't let Satan come in and confuse you or turn your mind toward the past or remind you about things that maybe you made a mistake about. Listen, can I just take, look around real quick. Look around. We've got a good full house here. Everybody in this room has made mistakes. And we're so glad they're not public with it all. Right? So from this day forward is what we're going to focus on. And remember that God has got amazing plans for everybody in this room. Today is about helping us create avenues in our life for those amazing plans to come to pass. All right? Are you with me? So today we're talking about the Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon was one of Solomon's many songs. In fact, if you read in 1 Kings, he talks about the writer of 1 Kings said that Solomon had written over a thousand songs. He's a lot like his dad. His dad wrote. David, David wrote most of the book of Psalms. Not all of it, because actually Solomon's got some, some in there. Other people have some in there. Moses has some in Psalms. But Solomon wrote over a thousand of them. When he picked, Solomon himself said, This is my favorite. And that's why they call it the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. Even though it wasn't the only song he wrote... It was one of his favorites. It was the one that was close to his heart because of the love and all of the friendship and the details about relationships that it covers. And that's why we're going to talk about it today. Does that sound good? But So we're going to talk about the Song of Solomon. But to frame the the message today, I'm going to read you something out of another book from Solomon called Ecclesiastes. How many of you know what Ecclesiastes is? It's a 12-chapter book that right after Solomon, not right after, but because when God asks Solomon... What do you want in life? In fact, before you answer that, I'll grant you what you tell me you want in life. Have you ever thought about that? What, what would you say? What would you say? If God came to you and said, I'll give you whatever you ask for. You don't have to tell me, but just think about it. <laughs> he did that for Solomon. It's the only person in scripture that we know that he did that with. And Solomon thought about it. And what he said was, Lord, because you can provide everything. What I want is great wisdom and great understanding. And because his heart was pure, God gifted Solomon with great understanding, with great insight into how the world works, how people work. So when we talk about Solomon's book of love and relationships, it's important to understand that what he's dwelling on, what he's drawing from, is partially his human experience, but a lot of the wisdom that God gave him. So he wrote a book of wisdom called Ecclesiastes. And in chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. This is the first scripture for the day, and I want you to get this first. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 says this. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Every activity under the sun. And we understand that we all go through different seasons of life. So today, even though we're talking about a single season, whatever reason you're single, we're talking about that season of your life. This applies to all of us throughout throughout our life. In fact, this is, to be honest with you, this is probably one of the more this is probably why I'm excited about it. It's one of the more difficult messages, one of the more controversial messages, because this message today is really countercultural in the way God sees things compared to the way the world does things. When you look at dating the way America does dating, can I be really honest with you? Can I? I got to probably be a religious fuddy, dad. Wanna? What, what I believe on that is the current dating scheme in America actually trains us for failure. Because, you, I mean, I've, I've got two teenagers. You, you just watch how we train teenagers. You just fall in love with somebody, give them all of your heart. And if they don't do everything you like, then you just break up with them and go to the next person and give them all of you. And then if you don't, something doesn't go right, you just break up with them and go to the next person. And what we're doing is training them to sever those relationships one after another after another. And looking through God's word, it's very counter, countercultural about how to handle relationships, dating, and love for one another. So we're going to hit on that today. So put your gloves on. We're going to go to work, and I believe the book of the Song of Solomon will show us some things that are really turn some lights on for a bunch of us. Are you all ready for some lights to come on? Listen, I wish somebody would have shown me these things me growing up. 16 through 23 in the dating world but they didn't until I became a believer and I remember that within a month or so of us of me becoming a Christian I wanted to start dating my wife now and I remember my cousin who was my mentor who had led me to Christ sat me down and said listen slick it's not the same being a Christian as it is not being a Christian that's all I'd ever known is not being a Christian aren't you that's just the way you're supposed to date And as he began to mentor me and and train me and teach me, like, this is what God says. And the reason he says it is, how many of you know God's got a reason for everything? Everything he says. Here's the reason. I want you to get this. I don't have it in your notes, but I want you to get this. The reason he says it is because God's ways not only work, they do work. Can I get an amen? They not only work, but they are the best ways. God designed you to work with his ways. That's the best way possible. And when we begin to put those two together, our faith and God's ways, we can have the most extraordinary relationships in the world. Can I get amen? Amen. Not perfect because we're involved, but God's ways work, and they're the best for us. So let's jump in. Let's start in uh, Song of Solomon chapter 2. How about that? Starting in verse 8. Oh, you'll love this. Lots of exclamation points, okay? Follow along with me. It says, listen, my lover, look. She's pretty excited, okay? This is his, let me, let me set it up. This is his girlfriend at the time speaking. In fact, if you read through the Song of Solomon, Solomon speaks some, the guy speaks some, and the girl speaks some. The girl speaks about four to one, the guy. Why are y'all laughing? I didn't say a word, okay? I'm just giving you stats, but that's pretty much life right there, right? We, we can just adjust to that. Learn from that what you will, men, okay? But she's got a lot of things. that She's very excited about her boyfriend right now. So we keep going. It says this. Here he comes, leaping across the mountains. He's probably Superman. Bounding over the hills, my lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. I think she meant stud there, but we'll go with stag. Look, she says. There he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows. Peering through the lattice. I don't think he's a peeping Tom. I think she knows. Like they they're they're checking each other out, you know, like, hey baby, hey baby, you know, back and forth. My lover spoke and he said to me, Here we go, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. I speak like that to Jenny all the time. That (laughs) you you understand? Like, so the first chapter sets us up. The second chapter is her going. Look, look at this amazing specimen of a man. He can jump mountains. He's, he runs like the gazelles of the field. Look, he's over there staring at me right now. He's amazing. Look, look at those eyes. His eyes are saying to me, come to me, my darling. Like, I mean, she is infatuated with him. That's what this is about. And this first season, you're going to relate to this because every human being goes through this. This first season that Solomon talks about is the season of Perfection. It's the season when they are perfect. And what's great about this, if you keep reading this book three chapters later, they're in a fight and Solomon's punching the wall. Thank you, Lord, for real life. Thank you very much. Yes. It's great. Chapter 2 is awesome. Chapter 6 and 7 is reality. It's a bounce back. But what's great about the season of perfection is that we all need that. We all need to start there. We just need to understand that in this season of perfection, that he's not really perfect, right? She's not really perfect. Oh, y'all can amen. You're not gonna get in trouble. This is about other people. This isn't about us. That they're not really perfect. None of us are. We, we've already laid that groundwork. None of us are perfect, but in that first season, it's incredibly usual common to get caught up in thinking this is exactly what i've prayed for they're perfect i mean they don't even their feet don't even touch the ground they just kind of like levitate across the ground it's amazing and the reason i know that is because i've been through that the reason you're shaking your head and laughing is because you've been through that and it's a couple of chapters later in our lives that we realize hey wait they're great they're not perfect right and what happens is the reason this season is listed in Scripture and the things that we can learn from it is to help us understand that in this season of perfection, what others may call it the love is blind season, that we still want to keep our guard up because falling in love is not the ultimate goal, right? What we talked about earlier, the ultimate goal is to learn, learning to love others in our life like God loves us. That's what our goal is in life. So I want to look at how what God says. I want to look at the things that we can learn from the Song of Solomon and apply those to my relationships in my life. And let me just say, because it's a time that we think that person is perfect, I'm going to give you a a couple of, especially those that are single, a couple of uh, things to think about to put into place during that time. Okay? Here's three quick ones. First of all, is, is limit your time with one another. Can I get an amen on that? Anybody understands any of these points? Just give me a yep or an amen or something like that. L- limit your time with one another. Just because they're perfect and you've just met doesn't mean you should go live with them like you're married, right? It's very easy to do that because everything they say is perfect. Everything they do, like a gazelle jumping a mountain, is perfect. Everything they think about is perfect. Come away with me, my love. All of the, it's, Everything's perfect. So if we can limit some things in our life to just get us in the right direction, to let God work also and not just this perfect person, it'll help develop our relationship and we can actually make it to season two. Can we get an amen on that? Yeah. That, so limit your time with one another. I think it's great to spend time with one another. But speaking from experience of dating, so much of this, I'm trying to not use me and my wife as examples because she's sitting back there and I'll be in trouble. But you learn it's okay to not live with each other all the time. It's okay to not be with each other all the time when you're dating. Limit your time with one another. That's an easy one. The second one is limit your talk with one another. Listen, after... Me going through the process and then 15-plus years of youth ministry, this is something that's so common in relationships. Listen, on your second date, three days after you've met is not the time to start dropping the I love you sentence. Amen? There yeah, like four of us. All right, it's good. But I'm telling you, your speech leads your actions. What you say, the other person, your other perfect person sitting across the table from you, is picking up on that and dictating what they do in life according to what you're saying. And it's very important for us to understand, listen, this this is a season of perfection when I think nothing could go wrong. But if I understand that... because we're going to move on from, chapter, from the first couple of verses in chapter 2. We're going to see that it's not a perfect relationship. We need to understand, I want to leave room for growth in this relationship. I don't want to start spending all my time with them like we're married. I don't want to start talking to them like we're married. This is the time to allow this relationship to grow. Amen? So limit your time. Limit your talk. And the third one is the most important is to limit your touch. Thank you. All the dads said Amen? To limit your touch. Listen, when I used to teach dating to teenagers only, we had a whole list that I would let them fill in the blanks. When you're sitting watching a movie with your boyfriend or girlfriend, should you A or B? And it was hilarious because everybody would say the one they're not supposed to and laugh. And then everybody would say the second one. Because we, we know. We know if I get too comfortable around them that I can make a mistake, Right? And, and the reason that I start, I'm starting with this, in this season of perfection, we talk about, let, let's limit a few things because you are super passionate for that person. Okay, I am for Jenny. I don't know about everybody else, but I'm super passionate for my wife. And because of that, in dating, I understand that if I limit my talk and, and, and limit my time and, and limit my touch, That helps me to put parameters on my passions. Does that make sense? Passions need parameters. Passions need parameters. Boy, I'm setting you up for a bunch of softball amens today. You're just not taking advantage of it. The passions in our life during the seasons of perfection, when we think we can do no wrong and they are perfect, they need guardrails. They need limits on our life. So And the reason that I say this in the first season in the, the first season of perfection is because that's the one where we haven't learned to put up garbage. We haven't learned their mistakes yet. and that's the thing. if you can walk into a relationship saying, "Listen, I love them. they're great. They're amazing people. I'm not going to tell them I love them yet, because we're not there. And I'm going to limit a few things in my life. I'm not going to let them we're, we're going to sit and give each other massages while we're watching TV. Amen. Oh, there's a bunch of giggling going on. Listen, I, I, used, to, I used to ask teenagers. I'm going to get you on this one. I used, to, I used to ask teenagers, is holding hands sexual? 100%. Nope, not at all. And I said, let me just tell you something. I'm walking through the mall, and I come around, and I see Jenny holding hands with some dude. <laughs> yeah, if you walk into school, and you see your boyfriend, and he's walking across campus with another girl, interlocked fingers just swinging and going. That whole thing, that whole package, including holding it, it, says something to the other person, does it not? And, and that's why we put parameters on our past. Say, I will and won't do this because ultimately, I know I'm going to move from this season to another one, and I want God's blessings in my life. Why? Because God's ways work, and they're the best for me. Amen. That's what I want. I want that in my marriage. It it, it was it was a great learning. It was a great lesson time for Jenny and I when we started dating because we had been in non-Christian relationships. And we knew a bunch of what we didn't want in another person, what we didn't want in our life. And we were able to sit down over many Brahms hamburgers at first. Not going out somewhere parking by ourselves and talking about it, but with other people around us. And talk about what we wanted in a relationship and set some of those parameters. We will not be alone together because I'm not perfect I have passions, and they need parameters. When we're watching a movie together, I'm not going to take off my socks and shoes and and my shoulders kind of hurt. Will you hit that for a minute? No. Go get some medicine and go home. That's what you say. Amen? I'm preaching it. Sometimes It's funny because we rarely talk about this type of subject in church. And for me, it's like the exact place to talk about it. It's exactly what our kids are here. Ask my kids if we've had this talk 45 times in our house. Yep, yeah, because we didn't have a birds and the beast talk. It's an ongoing talk till you're gone. Because I want them to understand whatever season you're in, I want to help shape that because I want the best for you. Dad's ways are not perfect, but God's ways are. And he wants the best for you. All right? So the second one is this. Let's jump into the next couple of verses and let's see... Still in chapter 2, okay? Still in chapter 2. We're going to turn the corner here, and it says this. In chapter 2, verse 11, it's her speaking, and she says, See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. She's already setting it up that she has been, that she has been missing him. She, got, she was talking about him, thinking about him at the beginning. He wants to go away with her, but she couldn't because they're not married. But he's been away for the winter now. She's ready for him to come back. Listen, springtime has come. The mountains have opened up, is what she says. The the, the snow has melted so we can get to the mountains. If you read the whole book, you understand that she's in another country, actually. She's from another country on the other side of a mountain pass. But now she understands... The snow is melted. The flowers are blooming, so I know it's gone. The doves are cooing, so it's love season. I'm really missing him, right? I'm really missing him, but it goes on. Let's jump down to 14. It says this, my dove, she's talking about him, my dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. She hasn't seen him in a while. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet sweet. And your face is lovely. At least she's picking out a few character qualities this time. It's not just, he's just this gazelle, stag, stud jumping mountains kind of person. But what this is, let me tell you, this is season two, and this is a season of preparation. And how I know that, well, how I know that is because of the concordance that tells me all about it in scripture, what all of this crazy stuff means. What this, what this means is when she's talking about that he has been away from her. She's ready to see him. They've been apart for a while. And he's been preparing. Because in the Jewish custom, everybody say huppa. Come on, say huppa. Huppa was your first house. And so they fall in love, chapters one, first half of two, and then he goes away to prepare. He goes away to build his huppah with his family. His dad is kind of the GM of it. He generals the whole thing. And he lets him know, like, listen, we build this house together with your, uh, some of the other relatives, you know, the brothers, the uncles, all that stuff, builds this house. This is the Jewish custom. And when they're finished with it, dad would either give the thumbs up or we still need work. And when it was okay at the right time, now... After a season of preparation, you can go get your fiance now. Bring her back. Introduce her to the family. Show them the house. All of this kind of stuff. And some of the characteristics of the season of preparation are are just this. Just from learning what he has been doing. Building this house. He's been away from her. She's longing for him. Here's some of the characteristics we're going to take away from a season of preparation. Are you ready for this? The first one is this, that standards are very high, are extremely high in the season of preparation. When you're preparing to spend an eternity with somebody, a lifetime with somebody, you better be in a season of preparing yourself for with high standards. Amen? There were multiple times when Jenny and I were dating that... That one of us was not strong or the other one was not strong. And the, the standards that we had set, the other one had to hold to those standards. And we had extremely high standards. Standards that in my mind, I was wondering if we could ever do. Like unless Jesus comes down and like ties strings around my hands and pulls me away. Could I do this? Could I live this way? And it's, it's, so, it's, it's a great example to say, Jenny and I lived our faith in our relationship. Amen. In this season of preparation, they have to have extremely high standards. Because it wasn't until, here we go, it wasn't until the huppa was finished and the husband or the male fiance was mature that dad would give the thumbs up. No, you're too immature. We've got to go build some other stuff. Isn't that funny how manual labor and character maturity all went hand in hand in scripture? Isn't it funny that working your tail off makes you a better person? Those high standards according to what that house looked like would be whether you get the go sign or go back to work sign to see your spouse, to see your fiance. The second one is we also learned that friends and family are involved because you get the uncles and the cousins and the brothers and the dad gives the final okay. And listen, let's just bring this friends and family to our time now, to our time now. You know, when, when our daughter, for example, I won't give any details, I won't embarrass her, but when our daughter said, hey, i got a, a boyfriend, I, this is a guy I like, I would like to go out, it was great. I, I was not happy about it at first. Uh, I'm, never, I'm never happy about it I, was, I wasn't happy about it, and I said, Here, here's the deal. And she's like, oh, Mom already said and I said, I said, I don't care. Here's the deal. He has to walk through that door and come stand right in front of me and introduce himself to me. He's not taking you out to Brahms or to anywhere. He's not taking you out anywhere unless he meets me and asks if he can do that. Yeah. So it rolls. It's my house. And, and I, I, I will never forget it as long as I live. My daughter can tell you about it. He walks in and I, I'm, you know, I'm trying like one of our first boyfriends, he came in and he he, he said, What are you doing? And he said, How are you doing, Mr. Morris? I said, No. Nope. God is my witness. That's my wife. I said, nothing. Just cleaning some guns, getting my hunting stuff ready. And just straight fade. He kind of goes, ha, ha. <laughs> And just kept walking. And, and I feel like my job is to terrify those suckers. You know it? It's part of my job. In the interview process. And And when her boyfriend that she's been dating for a long time now, when he came in, he, I said, if he doesn't come in and introduce himself to me, then you can't go around the block with him. You can't talk to him. You can't do anything with him. And I remember him coming in and his head bowed and, walk, and he walked right up to me. And, I'm waiting on you. I'm not going to do this. I want. Uh, let's, let's see. I mean, if, if you can't introduce yourself to me, then you can't protect my daughter if we're out somewhere. And he looked me in the eyes, how you doing? I, I'm, I'm, he told me his name. And I said, good, good. I, I appreciate you coming in and, and introducing yourself. Y'all have fun, okay? Okay. <laughs> you could just hear him like he like had been running a mile, just walked off. Avery's and... <laughs> was over there going, like, he got you. You know, that Because I would encourage you. As, as we see, we don't have a lot of detail what dad and brothers and uncles were doing other than helping build... And talk to him about what it would mean to be a husband, a father, a dad. I would encourage you. You want successful relationships? Let somebody else include their brains and their experience in other than you. People that love you, like your friends and your family, and can give you input over, you shouldn't put up with that. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah, Yeah. you're better than that. Amen. Or he's... a great person or she's a great person i like the way they're acting allow them to come in behind you and support you in a relationship it's one of the things that we can learn from just understanding this time of preparation including the families and on that i'm sure those are the things that are going on helping them be mature and the third one is this that access is conditional i told my introduction story on the point before that but that's exactly what this is about Access is conditional. If you don't get the house done, you're not going to go see her in the spring. If you don't mature as a man, you're not going to go see her in the spring. There are some conditions that you want in the time of preparation so that your relationship can flourish. How many of you know, do not raise your hand. How many of you know that immaturity can kill a relationship immediately? On either, on either ha- behalf. Amen. It sure can. And that's why it's important in a time of preparation to grow and to mature to a person that can handle the other half of the relationship. And the last one is this. This is the good one. The misunderstood one. The very next verse, Solomon is talking. And he says, verse 15, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards our vineyards that are in bloom let me just say he is talking about what you think he's talking about there what he says is hey listen in the farm the vineyard start to bloom and it just attracts everything and while the while the blooms are blooming they're also full of sugar and they're about to turn into little fruit and what happens is the little foxes they sneak in and they ruin god's plan for that vineyard right They just gobble up all the fruit. And what Solomon is saying here is, listen, without being graphic, my vineyards are in full bloom. That's what he says here. Let's catch the foxes that ruin the vineyards so it doesn't ruin our lives. You understand? That's what he's saying. Let's, let, let's talk about, be honest about those things that we should limit in our life because our passions need parameters. Can I get amen? Let, let's talk about some characteristics of this season that we're in, and we can talk about some of the things where we could make a mistake or things that, areas that we don't want to go to because those things that we don't want to talk about, especially in church sometimes, are the very foxes that ruin God's plan for your vineyard. God said, I've got a plan for you. I, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. Remember, from this day forward, aren't you glad God forgives us of our past? Every single one of us. Even when we're married, we're not perfect. Even when we're living for Jesus, we're not perfect. My hope is that tomorrow i get better than today. And the next day I get better than today. And the reason is because I apply what God's word says. I read between the lines. I understand that foxes are tricks and temptations. And things that I could fall to in this world that would actually ruin the vineyard that me and my wife have. Or if you're dating you and your boyfriend or girlfriend or fiance have. Satan understands that, listen, if you have the right feeling in the wrong season, you could ruin everything. That, that's how I would put American dating in a nutshell. is that right feeling, we're geared to, we're created to love others. But it's in the wrong season of life. Listen, when my when my kids were six, seven five, six, seven, however, old, that's what we start teaching them to brush their own teeth, to make their own food a little bit, to to pick up their rooms. I mean, there's little things like that. I'm not teaching them to work on the car and mow the lawn at five. You know what I'm saying? But can I tell you when they turn into a teenager? I'm starting to show them how to work the weed eater. I'm starting to show them how to rake the lawn. Does that make sense? Run the vacuum cleaner, work a hammer if they need to. And when they're 15, 16, I'm teaching them, okay, this is the dipstick. This is what now watch that fan blade. I don't do that at five because that'd kill a five-year-old, right? You understand like through our lives, it's very easy to understand seasons in our kids' lives and our in our family's lives, but sometimes in a relationship, we don't understand. Listen, this season right now that we're talking about is The third and final season is the season of purity. This is the season when Solomon and his fiancee both ask for help. Listen, Solomon says, listen, let's catch the little foxes. You get what I'm saying, baby? Let's catch the little foxes because I don't want to mess up. This is a good thing we have going. I feel like God's going to bless this. But if we don't catch the little foxes, they're going to eat the blooms of our vineyard and ruin what God has for us. And I believe in God's ways, and I don't want that to happen. And then she turns right around in a couple of verses later in in chapter 3 and says this. This is her speaking, and she challenges us. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. And this is the part we need to get. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires Don't awaken this marriage-filling love before the right season of life. Like she's saying, like, that's something that she struggled with. I I mean, look at him. He's like a stag. He jumps mountains. He's, you know, checking me out through the lattice. I can hear his eyes. All of these things. He's amazing. But I understand that through the process that God wants to prepare me to be the greatest spouse that I can be, the greatest partner in life that I can be. And she's challenging the other girls by what she's been through. You understand that? I don't know what the audience is, if they're just riding back and forth to one another. But I would love to think. Solomon, in chapter 2, verse 15, he's talking to us fellas. Hey, fellas, you better go kill some foxes. Don't, don't just pray at the end of service, okay? Amen? Don't just pray at the end of service. Anybody can pray. Anybody can go, whatever he said, Lord, amen. Anybody can do that. But go out... After you leave church today and kill some foxes that want to devour your relationships in life. Amen? And I would love to think that she is saying his fiance, his love of life, somebody he's fixing to get married to, and they're trying to make it through the season of purity so they don't mess up the vineyards that God has given them. She is saying, hey, don't awaken love before it's time. Don't arouse love before the right season of life. Don't pretend you're married when you're not married. Protect that, put some guardrails up, limit some things, put some parameters around your passion and all the reason is this, so that dating doesn't hinder the marriage, amen? That the dating, getting to know each other, that's just as godly as anything, so that the dating only helps the marriage and if I can just be real frank, that way that We just haven't been playing married during our dating and we've done everything and we've checked each other out and it doesn't have anything to do with God. It just has the physical test run. That's it. And we never get to this part. Can I tell you, just be really honest, I've heard that for years from teenagers. I've heard that for years from people after their first marriage. I already know what marriage is like. Not to that person you don't. It's different every time. Allow this dating... What we call dating, allow it to be a time when you understand that they're not perfect and you're gonna grow through that. When you prepare your heart and your spirit and your mind for what God's gonna do in your marriage and because of that, you make it through the season of purity. Probably both of you are on high alert. I want them as much as they want me. That's natural. Put guardrails around it so that all of this season blesses this season for the rest of your life listen it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is look at my kids and say dad was not perfect before he met mom when I was not a Christian I made tons of mistakes we're not going to talk about them I just made mistakes but can I tell you something when I met God and when she met God we put a hundred percent effort into making that one work because God was with us And we didn't make those same mistakes till we got married. A year and a half. year and a half. There were times when I walked in, and I didn't say it this way, but I'm like, there's 14,000 foxes in my car. I'm not coming over tonight. All right, see you tomorrow. And she knew exactly what I would just say. I'm not coming over tonight. Nope, not doing it. I'm I'm smart enough or weak enough, however you want to say it. But my goal was something I'd never had all of these other situations I wanted this time. Something I saw that my parents never had. Destroyed their marriage. Never had. Listen, I keep reading that. God said, that's what I have planned for you. You know what? I'm going to put my faith in that and I'm going to look back. I'm going to get real personal here for a minute. I'm going to look back at all my relatives and all Jenny's, not all, but a lot of relatives and friends that go, you two will never make it. You'd be done in two years. You're too bullheaded, all the 15,000 reasons. You got long hair. I mean, you got, come on. All of these things. And I look up now, and we're about to celebrate in May 24 years. And many of these same people over the last 24 years have come to us and go, How do you do it? How are you make it at work? And I say, Well, it's because I'm perfect. That's what I tell them. And Jenny, if she stands right here, she's close to perfect. Get that? Now, I tell them all the same thing. I have the same struggles, difficulties, angers, temptations, all that as you. Same thing. The Bible says that no sin has attacked you except what is common to mankind. We all deal with the same thing. The difference is the amount of faith you put in your relationship with Christ. That's the difference. That's the difference. How much permission you give him to run your relationships. I just wanna tell you, as we go through relationships, as we talk about this, I I wanna challenge it before we pray right now. Don't stop at the prayer today. Don't stop at the prayer. If you're single, go out and set some parameters for success in your life. Amen? Tell some of your friends and family, these are my goals. These are my goals, physically and spiritually. These are my goals, they go together. But if you're also, if you're married, can I tell you, as we read through these, these passions, these things don't stop when you get married. I never forget my grandpa saying, 75 years old, inside I still feel like I'm 25. Still love your grandma. All of those things are still there just like they were 50 years ago. And I've tried to remember that as I've grown older. And try to find those little foxes in my life and kill them. I'll just catch them, kill them, get them out of my life, destroy them. So, my challenge to the fella is also walk out of here today, and you know some of those foxes, just kill them. Just get rid of them in your life. Put your marriage first, your relationships first. Ladies, same thing. I have no idea, but I'm believing as we read those scriptures we look at the examples that this couple gave not of perfection but of putting our trust in God that there's going to be some relationships that are stepped up in this room I believe that that are in need of some life being breathed into them that God's going to do that today if you're married go home and read Song of Solomon as a devotional can't hurt give you some great stuff to talk about here's what I'd love to do today let's end Let's pray and ask God to take us from a, a physical interpretation of these couple of chapters to a supernatural living them out. Can we do that? That God would take them and apply them to our lives and show each one of us. How do, what's the foxes in my life? What are, what are the things in my life I need to set parameters on? Where can I show somebody the love God that you have shown me? Amen. Lord, we love you so much today. We thank you for your word. Even the song of Solomon. I know it, why it was his favorite. Because it was just such an incredible time highs and lows it was such an incredible time of learning of loving and out of all of solomon's relationships i think this is one of the ones that went really well it's one of the ones before the power went to his head before all of the fame went to his head god may we take it today and learn learn from his mistakes learn from his successes and whatever season of life we're in that we would set it up for success in our relationships with you lord i pray for everyone in this room today we all have lots of different relationships but there's one that's most important first and foremost with you that we would be honest and transparent with you, that we would surrender totally to you so that in all of our other relationships, you can lead us, you could guide us, you can correct us and train us and teach us to walk in your ways. So I pray for every one of us in this room that from this day forward, you would forgive us of our past and that you would show us that you have great plans for our relationships. Give us the strength that we need to set limits and parameters to walk in success. We want to be able to use our lives, looking back, we want to be able to use our lives as examples of the strength and the love of Jesus. Lord, we love you.